Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinko. I dropped my Stroop waffle in my coffee this morning, and I'm sad. (laughs) (laughs) You said said Stroosel? It's called a Stroop waffle. Have you ever had one? Uh, I've never heard of a Stroop waffle. (laughs) All right, so it's a perfectly round um, thing. <laughs> it's too like um, think waffle cone type material that you get at an ice cream shop, but it's two round waffle cone things with a layer of caramel in between, and you make a mug of coffee, and then it sits perfectly on the rim of your mug, and the heat from the coffee warms up and melts the caramel, and then you pick it up and you eat it with your coffee. And you can take a bite and then put it back on. But if you take more than one bite or too big of a bite, it'll fall in. And I have discovered that the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm drinking mushy Stroopwafel coffee. But it's delicious. If you can find them, get them. And nothing wrong with that. Yeah, uh, this week has been a very, very long week. Yeah. uh, Ministry wise is again, this is probably a period of time where a lot of people are winding down. Uh, getting stuff ready for camp in the summer. Go ahead and schedule buses. Mm. Um, go ahead and get all the announcements out for reg- the deposits for camp and mission trips and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so all that's hitting hitting in the last couple of weeks and getting together. Good stuff. Uh, but it's it's the nitty gritty, time consuming. Wish I didn't have to do it. Wish I had a secretary to do it all for me. <laughs> uh, type of period period of the Amen. year. Amen. Hey, I tell you what, though, this might be a hot take for some people, but if you haven't started prepping for camp, you're behind. Tis true. Tis true. It might not feel like that because you're like, man, we're not going till July. (laughs) You're behind. (laughs) Yes. Get all your stuff. The the sooner you can get it done, the better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, well, I'm excited. We're going to go ahead and get thrown. I'm excited about kind of what we're going to be talking about today. It it's uh, may end up being a shorter podcast, but with me and David, uh, who knows? We may, yeah, <laughs> but you might uh, be able to trust that claim. <laughs> that is very true. But we kind of want to take some time and kind of talk about uh, how to build trust how to build trust with your staff, particularly your staff or uh, senior leadership in particular, um, also with your leadership team uh, within the student ministry. How do you build trust and some avenues of doing that? Some, I guess you want to, you can say hacks, but I think it's just more than just hacks. It's more of a, of a kind of a leadership lifestyle, of how you, how you would do that. Yeah. It's how to avoid being a hack. <laughs> <laughs> good pun. Good pun. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I can feel like, I feel like that a lot of people when, uh, again, I think it's particular in student ministry, but it goes beyond student ministry to any pastoral role. Uh, to when you get into a church, you get into a ministry role, 
And a lot of us are ambitious. We have great vision, want to do things. But then, then we realize sl slowly that we start hitting walls. And, th and sometimes we see those walls as uh, basically a pain in the butt, if you would lack of a better word and to, to where yeah so so you, you you just you get frustrated you get discouraged you get angry and a mm -hmm. lot of times for some people the some people get this idea of maybe it's time for me to leave and go to another ministry mm. another church because we keep hitting those those walls uh per se and that's another reason why you see and and specifically in student ministry uh, I think it's it's a year and a half. I don't think that that statistic has really changed. But uh, the average person, average person that enters student ministry, stays in a church only about a year and a half. Actually, that stat has changed a little bit, but there are some qualifiers on what makes that change. Um, yes. I just heard about some research that was done, and the 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 churches that were interviewed or participated in the data. Uh, they the qualifiers for who made it in were um, tradition what we would call like traditionally conservative theological churches like they believe Jesus is God the Bible is infallible uh, that Jesus is the only way to salvation that kind of a thing and with those qualifiers there it, it, the research was like about other stuff but they found out that the average stay of a youth pastor at that church was I think three years that's actually pretty good because when we uh, when we graduated college. Uh, to the, 2009. I, I was in 2009. David, I forget you were in 10. I was a year behind 10. you. Okay. Uh, around that time, it was a year and a half. That was mm. kind of what was the research we were showing and stuff we looked at. It was about a year and a half. So going up to three, that's actually pretty, pretty impressive mm -hmm. uh, to go that far up. I would advocate, and this is where we're going to hash out a little bit, I would advocate three years is still not, it's still not good. I mean, you don't uh, really want to leave at all, but exactly. I think getting through one cycle of students is probably at least a good goal. So six years, if you're a seventh grade youth group. Yeah, six to seven years, I, I would say is a good turnaround. The, the, of course, we, we talked about before the uh, building, the longevity of leadership is what really builds influence. Mm -hmm. um, so if you want to build influence where you're at, it, it takes you dealing with the hard crap. And mm -hmm. pushing through it to see real change happen. Uh, again, a lot of people aren't willing to do that. It, yeah. It's just the reality of it. A lot of people aren't willing to do that. But the benefits of it and the fruit of it is worth every sweat and tear to push to push through it. Uh, I've seen it personally in a church I grew up at. I've seen it personally, seen it happen personally, uh, and I saw seen the benefits of it. But yeah, so so what what kind of what we're talking about today is uh, specifically about how to build trust and what that looks like, and and, and there's a when I, we talk about building trust and how to build trust, there's a lot of things that we could talk about, we can hash out, and we can, pretty much we can spend could not we can spend several podcast <laughs> episode talking about it, but I just kind of we can hash this out a little bit, but I kind of want to stay laser focused a little bit. Uh, specifically with staff and and also your own leadership team, but one thing that I think a lot of people don't understand. And there's several things I'm going to say that I don't think a lot of people understand. But the first one uh, is 
if you're going to build real trust uh, with your staff, specifically your senior leadership, is you have to be extremely efficient or strive to be efficient in what you do. Uh, and, and here's here's what I mean by that is simple things about being on time to meetings. Uh, yeah, especially <laughs> that first one where you sit down and go, I'd like you to consider me for this job. Well, absolutely. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. By the way, if you show up late to an interview, I'm sorry, that sends major red flags to most people. That's true. But um, it's, yeah, you be, like, be on time to, to things. Have an excellent work ethic. Uh, I can't tell you. Can we work on that real quick for a second? Absolutely. I can't tell you how many guys in that area uh, mm -hmm. have a, have a, your worth ethic are, again, everyone has, there's things they struggle with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Every, right. every, everybody does. But if you are not striving to work hard, work efficient, striving to make your ministry better, reaching kids. And if you're just sitting behind your desk or sitting at home, twiddling your thumbs, yes, that's going to be noticed. And yes, that's going to affect your ability to be trusted mm -hmm. by your staff and your senior leadership. Yeah. So the work ethic part, that I think requires definition because a lot of people have a different definition of what a good work ethic is. Of course, a lot of people have a different definition of what the word good is, but we won't go there today. Um, <laughs> um Here's, here's how I would define it for the sake of argument. And, and since Ryan and I did not hash this out beforehand, this might get lively. Uh, <laughs> um, this is what my dad taught me when I was a kid growing up as to what a good work ethic was. Uh, it starts with work first, then play. And then when you're working, when you're on the job, or when you have a task to do on the clock, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to call it, then you do what has been required of you by your job description or what's been asked of you by your boss to the best of your ability. And then when you're done and there's no more instruction, you go look for something else to do mm -hmm. instead of sitting down on your butt and waiting for your marching orders. And that's just a good employee. And that's flies, I think, in the face of a lot of the attitudes that's happening in our culture today, whether it's ministry or not, because I've heard of this thing. Have you heard of this new phenomenon that's come out called quiet quitting? I've heard that term, but I haven't really dived into what it means. Yeah, this is going to make you mad. Um, <laughs> so quiet quitting is, uh, for some reason, and I don't know what the standard here is, so I don't understand this 100%, but my understanding of what quiet quitting is, um, employees, and I think this is popular among millennials, so I'm sorry, um, they have decided that their uh, work is worth a certain amount of income. And if you are not going to pay me what I think I'm worth, then I'm going to give you the level of effort I think you deserve based on what you're paying me. So they don't quit their job. They just don't work as hard because they're not getting what they think they deserve. And the problem with that is that's like lazy, <laughs> but um, I understand that struggle of thinking I'm not being paid what I think I deserve to be paid at this job. So you talk to your boss about it, which you should have been working to build trust over time to do that. Um, but also you have a good work ethic. 
so that when they look at you and you say, I'd like a raise, they don't go, why? You don't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And when we're talking about worth ethic, we're not talking about ministry before family. Uh, we're not talking about being a workaholic. Um, that, that's not what I'm. What we're what we're talking about. What what I what I'm trying to get at mm-hmm. is it's kind of like what you said, David. Is is of course you do your job job description. What's in your job description? What's expected of you? Mm-hmm. What you agreed but, to when you said yes, I'll take the job. Correct. But then you go beyond that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, a good a, a person with a good worth ethic always strives to go beyond their job description, not saying like, like, again, not saying that you put ministry before family, not saying that you work your tail off to you're ignoring other things that are important, but being efficient with your time. Okay. Being efficient with your time, which means family first, but at the same time, man, if you're, if you got X, Y, and Z that you have to get done, that's part of your job and what you do in the ministry that you're at, find, find, I don't know, S, Y, and P, I don't know, <laughs> find extra stuff to do to make your ministry better, mm-hmm. to improve it, uh, to see it excel even beyond even your senior leadership's expectations. Um, and just, just learn to learn to have a reputation of someone who works their tail off. Yeah. And, and that's part of that. I mean, that's, we've talked about this innovating in ministry. That's part of where innovation comes from. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Now, how can I make all of this better? Yeah. How can I make it easier? How can I make it easier for the next guy? Um, One of the things that I'm trying to do right now as I exit my church as their youth pastor and um, move to the next uh, phase of ministry in life is once I get a couple of other things figured out, (laughs) um, one of the steps I'm taking before I exit is creating a Word document with all of the accounts and their passwords. Uh, inventorying our resources so the guy coming behind me doesn't have to wander around the church going, hey, does anybody know if the youth ministry has this? <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm even, you know, I'm going to clean out the office um, and not the day I leave. I'm going to start picking at things to take home and store it somewhere because most of the stuff in this room is mine. <laughs> so, you know, I don't have to set up the next guy with all that stuff. I sh- I think, I, personally, I think I should. I think that would be kind. I think it would be good. Plus, we all know the only line on the job description that really matters for a youth pastor is that last one where it says, and other duties as assigned by the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's where you go above and beyond, and that's how you end up having to change out the plug and the fleshless urinals and almost puking. But you do it because you love your church. You do it because you want to be a good witness. Um we both went to Liberty, and uh, Dr. Falwell, before he passed, used to tell us all the time, Christians should be the best workers in the workplace. Yeah, which I highly agree with. Mm-hmm. If you're uh, a Christian in the workplace, you should be the hardest, most ethical worker they have, despite your pay. Yeah, yeah I'm glad you said something about pay. Again, I've now that you described a little bit about quietly quitting uh, I come, it comes back to me, uh, what that turns into. Yes, I've heard that before. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. Those who fall in that camp in ministry, okay, if you're in ministry and you have that mentality and that attitude towards what you're doing, which again, what you're doing 
Yes, you have to provide for your family. I get that. Understand that. You got to pay bills. Mm-hmm. Understand that. But if that is your attitude, you are living a life in sin. Okay, let's just be honest with you. God calls you to do your best in everything you do. Yep. Uh, and if you're going anything less than that, you're being disobedient. Uh, doesn't mean you don't go ask for a raise. Doesn't mean that you strive to have better pay. Not every all that's okay. Look, I, I was in a minute at a, a pastor at a previous church where I was struggling financially uh, the eight years I was there. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I knew God was calling me there. Did I desire to have a raise? Yes. Did I desire to have more uh, more money come in our pocket so I can better uh, support my family? Absolutely. But I knew God called me there, even be even beyond the, my salary. What I'm going to pay, God called me there. Yep. And I think we kind of lost. Sometimes we can lose that uh, because again, we, yes, you, like I said, yes, you do have to think about fam- finances, especially when you have family. You have definitely have to think about fi- them financially because mm-hmm. they're your responsibility as as a dad. Uh, my my family is my responsibility. Uh, and to take care of them, support them. So all that is true. But when you, when, you're, when you tie in this attitude that my calling is wherever I get paid more. Oh. And, and, and ministry, okay, as a minister, <laughs> as a pastor. Where, my calling is wherever I get, get paid more. Man, that is such a bad place to be. That's how you get nobody to trust you. Exactly. About exactly. almost anything. Exactly. So I, I, okay, there's two fronts in this and two stories I'll share, kind of hitting some of these points when it comes to being efficient. One, one is, is I know I, I grew, a, a guy that was serving in my church when I was growing up, uh, great guy, led, led worship, awesome with, the teen, with teens and students. Left to be a youth pastor, felt like God was coming to youth pastor, went to a church and was connected with, with a pastor that's very close to my, my family. And man, and great personality, great with kids, but extremely highly lazy. Yeah. Uh, just wouldn't do what he was asked. Uh, he, uh, the pastor would pull him in and say, Hey, what's going on? Give him expectations. Tell him that hey, let's work on this. gave gave him every opportunity uh, to change, to make to make a change, and it got to a point where finally this pastor had had to say, "Look, if you're not willing to work your hard and what you do and what we're asking you to do, we're going to have to let you go." And eventually, they had to. And, and the other side of the story mm-hmm. of that as well, I have another story of another pastor who. He's a good guy, good he's a great guy, but I think his his mentality when it comes to ministry is different. Not different, I should say just wrong. Because he would he was always chasing, always complaining about his pay. And always chasing after the church to give him better pay. And he was again, he was making I wish I was making as much money as he was. That should be that should be honest. So not underpaid is what you're saying. Not at all underpaid. Uh he he was making he was making more than most senior pastors make. As a youth uh, pastor? Uh, no, he was a he was a he was a worship leader. Okay. 
he was making he was making a lot of money. Uh, he was he's he has served at very large churches, uh, and so he was making a lot of money. Always complaining about not making enough. Always seeking after the church that would pay mm-hmm. him more. And I just look at those situations, and it's it's so sad because in both those situations, uh, both these people had hardly any trust with leadership. Mm. Especially the guy who uh, was always about money because uh, the rest of the staff felt like they were walking on eggshells around it all the time. So there was no trust factor uh, with that. So, so yeah, being, being efficient, doing the best job you po- absolutely can, even trying to go beyond that, does Im- Im- has immense power when it comes to building trust with your staff because mm-hmm. your staff sees this and your senior leadership sees this. So just to pull from what we're saying here, because you mentioned a couple things, but I want to pull tie this to scripture. Both both First Timothy and Titus uh, in chapter three of First Timothy and then Titus one, uh, clear instruction, one of the qualifications for being an elder is to not be a lover of money. Um, and there's a difference between I would like a raise so I can take care of my family, please. And, uh, and then the difference, uh, between that and just give me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other one is, um, like in first Timothy, one of the things, uh, says to be self-controlled, respectable, sober-minded, um, you know, the, this type of the way that you hold yourself. Um, the first guy that I was, that you were, when you were talking about that, one of the best ways to, to build trust in that situation is to listen to your senior leadership and then do what they told you to do, considering it's not Mm -hmm. anti-biblical. And then the second guy, um, budget, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, if you don't think you have enough money, look at your budget first. Uh, Cause I can tell you from my perspective, uh, and I have to be very careful how I say this to people. If you look at my situation financially, um, on the face of it, look at the church budget, you know, that we produce annually for, you know, the whole church. You look at the youth pastor salary and benefits. Sweet. Church takes care of this guy. That's awesome. I'm very thankful. But if the government looks at it because of the number of children I have, they're like, oh, you're poor. You want some help? And, and so those two different respect perspectives are there. And so I have to make sure that I, I tow this line of, look, the, the church is taking care of us and they're doing a great job. And I'm thankful for that. Um, I'm not poor. Uh, I am taken care of the Lord's providing my needs. And despite all of that from a financial side, I still have to be a hard worker because if you want to skip ahead to what is it Ephesians? If someone doesn't work, you shouldn't eat. Uh, I think it's in Ephesians four. Man, you you caught me off guard. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I think it's I think it's Ephesians. There's, there's quite a few there's quite a few passages in Proverbs that says that loses the same thing to it. Yeah, uh, twenty eight, uh, four twenty eight. Let the thief no longer steal. Let him do. Uh, let him, or rather, let him labor, labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So that's that's one of them. Um, there's another one though that talks about if you're not gonna work, then you shouldn't eat. That might be in Proverbs actually. Yeah, that's I think um, that's in Proverbs. But still, again. That goes back good work ethic and a good a good work ethic will build trust, especially and this is just a reality that we live in. A lot of guys entering youth ministry are younger and they're being hired by boomers and Gen Xers. 
And their view of hard work is very different from hard work to a millennial and a Gen Zer. Cor- correct. I, I, I'm glad you pointed that out. And I'll, I'm going to camp on that just for a minute and uh, then we'll move on. But yes, there is a big difference in work ethic, even between my dad and myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, we have, even my dad worked his tail off. My dad, just ministry was different then. You were, you had Wednesday night stuff, you had Sunday morning stuff, Sunday night, and the periodic uh, activities during the week. So it was, it was much different than it is today. I, I think a lot of churches have kind of slowed down a little bit, which I think is a good thing. I, I really do think that that is a, that is a good thing, is slowing down a little bit. Define slowdown. What I mean is not doing five, six different things the week, every single week, uh, like services, church services, activities. Okay. The console, because the reality is culture's changed. Gotcha. Uh, church doesn't, there's no value in church like there was 20 or 30 years ago. Um, so doing, ex, doing five things during the week, church-related stuff, in-house and church doesn't necessarily work as well as it did 30 years ago. Um, so it's, it's a good thing that it's, it's slowing down. But like my dad work, work was working Wednesday nights, uh, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. Sometimes he had to go in the office on his day off just to get stuff done. Uh, he had to do visitation, where visitation was big and popular back in the day. Monday night visitations, and he had activities because uh, he was a kids pastor for a period of time. Uh, he had to do activities on, on the weekends a couple, a couple times a month. And so he was always, always busy. Like mm-hmm. He was always there for me and uh, my, my, uh, my family, and so he was always there for us. But uh, he was also very busy. He, he worked hard. So that mentality of ministry that was like in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, early 2000s, that mentality of ministry is not the case today because uh, church has evolved. Because quite frankly, tr- uh, uh, culture is the most post-Christian it ever has been. Mm-hmm. And so you do have these Gen X, just Gen X pastors, boomers, who have the same expectations of, work ethic as in early year early years or I say early years but 80s 90s early years for us <laughs> yeah, early years for us uh <laughs> of doing of doing ministry yeah but that's just an unrealistic expectation uh for for today mm-hmm. uh again there there is some differences on I understand what work that is but I do have to say this is that Gen Z particularly Gen Z, millennials fall in this camp too, but it's a little bit worse than Gen Z. Uh, the idea of working hard is not favored. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Because there's a difference between working and working hard. Yeah, correct. There, there, is, there is a difference between um, of having a list of things to do, doing that list, and striving to find something else to make it better to going beyond that mm-hmm. uh and and on the flip side of that there's a difference than look at my list i get my list done or not even doing my list for that matter and that's my idea of work yeah my neighbor um works at a co2 manufacturing plant and he said he had to hire some more guys and one of them was a millennial and for like 
months he would come home from work and i'd be like hey man how you doing he's like i'm doing great but i'm about to kill this guy i was like really he was like well not literally but (laughs) he said the guy spends his entire shift on his phone and then in the last like half hour he's panicking because he's got to get all of his stuff done and i'm like he's allowed to have his phone in there (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) what are you doing like are you checking valves in between clash royale rounds like what are you doing (laughs) i mean i i I know it's it's again again what you're gonna Again, probably those of you, those of you listening are probably picking picking on this a little bit, but laziness is a pet peeve of mine. If if no, <laughs> if 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 I'm going to hire you, and you're going to be lazy, it drives me insane. Like when I go to Walmart and I see all the stinking carts everywhere at Walmart parking lot, I'm like, come on, man, you can't even walk five or 10 feet to put a card up that kind of stuff aggravates me laziness in general aggravates mm-hmm. me now we all have lazy moments like i do and everybody else but all of, but it's just something that gets on my on my nerves a little bit hey i don't blame you man but anyway there's one other thing i do want to hit, I hit on as well is that we talk about being efficient that's one mm-hmm. way of building trust with your staff uh with your senior leadership and even with your leaders but one other thing too is to make sure that you're leading by example. And what I mean by that is, again, we can sit here as as a youth pastors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can sit here and and complain about what's going on in our in our churches. Okay, we always we, there's always something to complain about because we always we're all in imperfect churches, mm. and to say that you're in a perfect church great but you're probably lying you just ruined it because you just lied (laughs) (laughs) but it but man if you want to see something done like say say you if you're in a church so you feel like discipleship is not where it needs to be then then how about you you take the lead and you make your ministry the best disciple making ministry you can make it and you mm. and you lead in that way, and enough to where your staff and your senior leadership look at look at what you're doing. They say, "Man, what you're doing is awesome. What are you doing? How are you doing this?" So people start catching the wave of understanding because they're seeing you do it. Mm-hmm. So, yep. so lead by if you want to build trust, lead by example. Yeah, if you catch yourself saying somebody ought to, you might be the somebody. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and again, so I can't tell you how many times I got people coming to me and complaining, and uh, and this and get all this is all through, during ministry and pastors, lay leadership. They they complain about stuff, and like all of us deal with uh, in churches and ministries. And the first thing I, ask, I tell them is, "Man, why won't you be the catalyst of change? Why won't you get up and do it? And make a phenomenal." Uh, do like complain about discipleship. Do discipleship where you're at. Make it uh, to where people are looking at you and say, "What are you doing? How are you doing this?" Mm-hmm. And building again that kind of mentality of leading up, the be- doing the best you can, and making your ministry, your environment, the best it can be. And in, in a in a situation where you feel like you're lacking in the church, will make your staff and your leadership and even your leaders within your ministry 
I say, man, what is going on? And they, they start catching the wave and it builds, it builds trust with yep. them as well. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or disputing, according to the extremely spiritual version. <clears throat> yeah, um, that's actually in the Bible. We're not supposed to whine and complain about stuff. We're supposed to do something about it. So, uh, and and to be honest with you, that that in and of itself can be one of the ways that you can lead by example, not complain all the time. Um, if you have a, a a legitimate issue you need to discuss, there's even a way of doing it that can come across as not being whiny and complaining. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and that kind of goes back to something that if you look at um, what we've talked about so far up to this point, and this will be kind of a wrap up here, um, the, the work ethic thing, um, the going by example, um, uh, all of these little issues that have come up within each of the examples and the things we've discussed, all of it's underlying uh, one big issue that you can do to build trust, and that's to be honest. Um, yeah. And that starts from day one. The first, the first, uh, appointment you have to sit down with the pastor or the search team or whoever to get the job, the the first date, as we like to call it sometimes with the church, be honest. Uh, I had a youth pastor, we've had him on here on the podcast, who told me, when you go to interview for your job for the first, for this job, potentially for the first time, tell them, I don't want to waste your time. So I'm going to be 100% honest with everything you ask me, good, bad, and ugly. So if there's something I struggle with, I will let you know. If you ask me a question and you're not probably going to like the answer, I'm still going to give you the answer because it's the truth. Because that way they know who they're getting. And if they'll be honest with you, then you'll know who you're getting into. And of course, you can't hit 100% of all the things, but you can be honest about your attitude. You can be honest about your shortcomings. You can be honest about what you are good at. And that way you have a clearer picture of who you're getting. And then when you get to the job, and you hit one of those obstacles that you think, <laughs> be honest about not being able to overtake the obstacle and ask for help. Um, I told my pastor from the get-go, uh, I stink at administrative skills. And he said, okay. And so he's helped me with that over the last few years, and I've gotten better at it. So be honest. Um, and that's going to be one way that you build uh, trust. But don't be a jerk about it. We're supposed to be gentle and respectful. Um, so be honest. And uh, hopefully, I, I know it's not like a ton of deep theological, amazing truths that we pried out of the depths of the Bible today, but it, it's harder to do than it is to say. So mull it over. If you need to make some course corrections, do it. But hopefully it was an encouragement for you to know that um, it's possible to build trust with senior leader, with your senior leadership, with your youth leaders, uh, with your coworkers at the church, with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, um, so that you can get... Uh, the gospel message out there and make disciples. And so uh, we appreciate you guys for listening today. Uh, If you haven't yet, please go over to whatever podcast platform you listen to that allows reviews and put in a comment review, put in a star review, uh, whatever you want to do. Just be honest (laughs) about it. And uh, if you do that, that does uh, help keep us near the top when people search for youth ministry podcast. And, um, and there's a lot of really good ones out there, but they haven't posted for a while, but because they have a bigger catalog than us, they're still closer to the top. So when we put out fresh stuff and you guys listen to it and comment and star review it, that allows it to stay up there to, to know that there's not just good content, but there's fresh content out there too. So, and if you'd like to hear a topic uh, that we haven't covered yet, or we need to rehash, 
We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, we've got uh, pages on both. We've also got a Youth and Culture Facebook group if you want to join the group and talk ministry with me and Ryan and the others that are in that group. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.